0: This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. How many of you have ever seen a kid in front of a mirror before, okay? And like maybe you're at, you know, Target or Old Navy or some kind of store and you'll get a kid in front of a mirror and they're like dancing and they're like making faces and they're doing their thing in front of a mirror. And I love watching it. I just like stare and watch and I love when my boys uh, do it. And there's something cool about kids in front of mirrors because they're like totally comfortable and they're totally at peace with seeing their own reflection in the mirror they're totally okay but the reality is this we all hit a place in life where we're like the least amount of time in front of a mirror is better for me you know like, you're just like i'm totally okay with not seeing myself in front of a mirror because I think a lot of times when we see ourselves in the mirror, we are not seeing the fullness of what Jesus sees in us. We are seeing a reflection of something we don't particularly like, something that we don't necessarily agree with. So, like when we look in front of the mirror, we may see not God's goodness, but we see what? I feel like a failure, right? I feel like this week I wasn't a great husband or a wife or I wasn't a great friend. And, and I just, when I look into the mirror, I don't see the reflection of God. I see the reflection of my current week or my current position. And maybe I feel unworthy. Maybe I feel insecure. Maybe when I'm looking at the mirror, I'm like, oh, I see round. And all of a sudden, I'm like, why am I round? You know, what I mean, like, what happened to my life? Where did my life go? You know, and so we're looking at the mirror. And all we're seeing is what the world projects on us all the time. And so this tremendously affects our relationship with God. Okay. So if I look in the mirror, and I internally see failure, or internally see um, all of my mistakes for the last, you know, couple months, If, if I look in the mirror, and I see anger, I look at all these things, my projection of how I feel God sees me is the same way. So if I feel unworthy, and if I feel like God's not pleased with me, and if I feel like God is angry at me, because I'm angry at myself, right? Are we with us? A lot of times, like, we think God's angry at us just because we're angry at ourselves. We're just angry at that decision. We're angry with that choice. We're angry with that moment, and so we feel like, well, obviously, God the Father is angry or frustrated. He's upset with me also, and so that internal struggle inside of us, is a battle that we're having for to see how God sees us, okay? It affects how I interact with God because now when I come in to worship on Sunday morning, okay, and I'm having this internal struggle and this internal battle inside of me about how I see myself and how I feel God sees myself, and we come in and we're like, come on, guys, let's worship the Lord today. Let's get into the presence of God. And you're like, I don't know if I want to, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that because I don't know how God's going to respond to me today. I don't know how God feels about me. It affects ultimately also how we interact with the world around us. Okay? so if we see ourselves as unworthy or we see failure we have insecurities we have you know these moments where I don't feel worthy or I feel like my life is crazy or are all kinds of chaos that's happening or so that affects how I interact with my spouse it affects how I interact with my friends it, it' it affects how I interact with just random strangers have you ever had a moment where you're like just dealing with like a random stranger at McDonald's and you're like why did I, you know, go off on that person? You know what I mean? I remember this was like, oh gosh, Jess, how long ago was this? It was like a year ago now. Jess told me that she like threw a cheeseburger at, at the manager at, at McDonald's. You know what I mean? I don't think she threw it, but it, it, was, it got heated. That's all I know. And for Jess to get heated, is it, it was a snack wrap. Okay, sorry, it wasn't cheese, it was a snack wrap. Okay, it's a messed up snack wrap. So today I want to talk about, I want to talk about one of the greatest truths in the gospel. And this truth is about Jesus changing our identity. Okay, and that Jesus loves to heal broken identity. And so uh, if you got your Bible, go with me, we're going to go to Luke chapter seven. Okay, Um, I'm going to be reading out of the passions translation. So it might be a little different, but we'll have it on the screen for you today. And it's quite a few verses. So just kind of follow along with me. Look on the screen. Uh, we'll get through Okay, verse 37. It says, in the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to be a prostitute when she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house. Simon is a religious leader of the day. He's a religious leader of the law. And, she, and Jesus has come to Simon's house to have a dinner. She took a flask made of alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the house of the Jewish leader, knelt before his feet, Jesus, in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with tears from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus feed. Now we have any office fans in the house. Okay. I'm big office fan. Okay. Now I got to tell you, there are moments when I'm watching the office or even sometimes watching other shows where like moments get too awkward for me, you know, and I just kind of have to like pull the blanket like over my head because I, and I just like, Jess will be like, Jeff, they can't see you. Like you know, like they're they're not here. It's not really happening. I'm like, I know. It's just too. This is just too much. Okay, this this part in the Bible, like I feel like, is a super awkward moment. Okay, we have a immoral prostitute that has come in to you know, she's at Jesus' feet, she's weeping, she's crying, she's drying his feet with her hair, she's kissing his feet. I just have to imagine that this is one of those weird, awkward moments, okay? Verse 39 says this, Simon saw what was happening, and he thought to himself, this man cannot be a true prophet. If he really was a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman was touching him. Jesus said to Simon, I have a word for you. Go ahead, teacher. I want to hear your answer. Verse 41 says this. It, it's a story about two men who were in deeply in debt. One owed $1,000 and the other one owed $10,000. Verse 42. When it was obvious that neither of them were able to repay their debts, the kind banker generously wrote off their debts and forgave them of all that they owed. Can we get some of that in 2020? (laughs) You know what I mean? Can we get some bankers like that? That'd be really, really nice, okay? Goes on to say this. And Jesus says this, tell me, Simon, which of the two debts would be, uh, debtors would be more thankful. Which one would love the banker the most? Simon replied, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven, right? Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon while the woman was still at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you did not bother to do, okay? He says this, when I entered your home as a guest, you did not offer me the waters to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she comes into your home and washes my feet with her many tears and dries my feet with her hair. Verse 45, you didn't welcome me into your home with a ceremonial kiss and a greet. From, from the moment that she's come in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take time to anoint my head with the fragrant oil, but she has anointed my head and my feet with the finest And we got to understand that when she takes this perfume, their scholars say that this perfume is really worth a whole year's wages. Okay, so this is a very valuable, costly moment for this woman to anoint Jesus with this perfume. Verse 47. And this is where we're going to just spend the whole entire day, right here in verse 47. Jesus says this. She has been forgiven of all of her many sins. She has been forgiven of all of her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But to those who assume to have very little to be forgiven, will also love me very little. Verse 48. Jesus said to the woman uh, at his feet, all of your sins, are forgiven. Let me ask a question, what is your identity in? Is it in your job? Is it in the thought that you're just a good person? You're a good person to the world? You're a good person. in society is your identity in your family picture that you present on Thanksgiving and Christmas? What is your identity in today? For this woman, in verse 37, okay, we see it says this, an immoral woman of the streets known to be a prostitute, okay? So in verse 37 is where we get what? Our system for how we compare good and bad, right? Because we all live in this system of what? Comparison. We are comparing, hey, did you hear about John down the street and how, you know, what's going on in his house with his family and blah, 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 blah. We are always comparing and judging life, okay. So, um, Little Wayne, how many of you have ever heard of Little Wayne before, okay. Little Wayne had a quote in one of his songs uh, years ago and it says this, okay the devil on my shoulder, the Lord as my witness. So on my scale, I'm weighing sins and forgiveness. Okay, I'm sure he says it way cooler than I just said. Okay. (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. Okay. What, What he's saying is this, put that picture up for me. Okay. What he's saying is, we have a scale system. Okay. And on this scale, we're weighing sins, and forgiveness. You know, we have our sins, our mistakes, our failures. And on the other side, we have our good deeds and the things that we do. And we're, you know, constantly, you know, judging and weighing these things, we're constantly judging what wins and failures, right? We have these moments where we're like man it's a great win for my career it's a great win for my life it's a great win in life and then we have these moments where we're like i can't believe i responded that way in anger or i responded out of you know fear i responded this way and so we're weighing these things we're weighing what good days and bad days right like there's some days where we just feel really good about ourselves because you're like man, I held the door when it was super cold out. You know what I mean? Like, held that door for that person or I helped my neighbor cut their grass or you did something that was charitable or you serve or you gave, you know, some money or something like that. And you're weighing those days against what? Bad days where you have a, you, just, is there ever, anybody with me? You just wake up, you just wake up angry. You know what I mean? You're just like, I'm just angry. I'm just frustrated. And I'm gonna make sure Everybody that I come into contact with today knows that I'm angry and frustrated, okay? So we're weighing these good days and bad days. We're weighing what? Beautiful, ugly. Look, look, we are constantly weighing things. And what is it? It's a man made system, right? It's a system for how we compare, it's a system for how we judge, it's a system for how we feel. Good, bad, and different about ourselves. Now, okay, God does say at the beginning of that verse, He does say this, he says this, an immoral woman. Okay. So is God judging her? And my answer is no, He's not judging her because God has the right, because He's the creator, to set boundaries okay? So, it's it's kind of like this, all right? So, God has put me in charge of three wonderful boys, okay? And um, my middle son, Ben, he's awesome, uh, loves video games, okay? Now, my job as a good father is to what? Set healthy boundaries for him, right? Okay? Because if I wasn't a good father, I'd be like, yeah, bro, you know, eat spicy Doritos till four in the morning and play Fortnite and, you know, do whatever you want. And, you know, it's it's all good. Just to know that, you know, a couple hours later, we're going to have to wake him up for school and he's going to be a zombie now for the entire day and he's going to get nothing, right? So, as a good father... My job is to do what? To create healthy boundaries in his life so that I can help him succeed and win in life, correct? God the Father is a good father, okay? So as a good father and as the creator, he's the one that goes, hey, I'm gonna set some boundaries. And these boundaries are not set to harm you, they're set to help you. This is why God goes, hey, don't have sex before marriage." Now for me, growing up in church, it wasn't don't have sex before marriage, because when you have sex before marriage, you are going to give a piece of your soul to that person. And then you're going to carry that person with you for the rest of the life. And you're going to carry every sexual experience you've ever had into your marriage. And it's going to affect your marriage someday. It was more like, no, don't have sex before marriage, or else God will strike you down with a lightning bolt. You know what I mean? It was more like fear, judgment, condemnation. And how many of you know, fear, judgment, condemnation never works for anybody? Can I get an amen? Okay. But God goes, no, I don't want you like when the Bible says this, God says, don't be drunk, but be full of the Holy Spirit. how many of you know that drunk people do stupid stuff? Right? I mean, it's just like, like, there's just things or like when God goes, don't have sexual immorality, don't have pornography. It's not like God's like, I'm trying to harm you. God's like, I'm just trying to lead you to life. I'm trying to lead you to victory in your marriage. I'm trying to lead you to victory in your personal soul. I'm trying to lead you to victory. So I create these boundaries, not as a mean, angry God that I'm frustrated with people, but more as a God that goes, I'm being a good parent, and I'm helping you to live in victory. Amen? So when God says this immoral woman, he, all he's saying is she is choosing to live outside of the boundaries that God has created. Okay? And listen, we all have moments, and let me make this clear. We all have moments we live outside of God's boundaries, okay? But it's not God judging. Now, that same verse says this, a woman that was immoral, okay? But it also says this, known to be what? A prostitute, right? So what is the Bible saying? That there is a group of people that have identified her and given her what? a label, right? The world labels us, okay? So, the world looks at us and goes, you, you know, haven't lived up to the expectations that I have for you, so you are failure, right? Or you are unworthy, correct? Or you are not beautiful, which can, I, and I want to address just that topic, that the world has this uh, way of making us feel um, just incredibly less about ourselves. Can I get an amen for anybody who's ever felt that before, you know, and the world judges everyone on what they should um, believe they should look like. And and the thing is, I love about God is God loves that all of us look different. Every single one of us in this room looks different. We're all shaped different. We all look different. We are all wired different. We all think different. And I love that God loves that because God's a good God and He created all of us. And so the world is the one that really gives this label, this tag on us and gives us this identity based upon these scales, right? These scales of the world okay? And the world is constantly, and this is what's really frustrating, the enemy knows what he's doing, because the world is constantly changing the scale, right? Like Instagram, Facebook, social media, what the, the, everything's constantly changing, okay? And the world is giving identity, okay? So, in that, in that system, right? In that system, Simon and verse 39 says what? When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man cannot be a true prophet. If he really was a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman was touching him, okay? So, in identity, there are moments that we feel less than, correct? Based on the system, the scale system, okay? But there's also moments in identity, in the scale system that we feel what? Better or worthy, right? We look at somebody else and we do what? We compare. And we're like, oh, look at their life. It's falling apart. And you don't say it, but there's really like a little joy in you. Why? Because you feel good about yourself. You feel good about The direction of your life. And in the system, and this is what's happening with Simon, okay? Simon is having this moment where he feels worthy, okay? It's like this. In Luke chapter 15, um, there is this story of what is called the prodigal son. Okay, it's about this son and this dad, and the son comes to the father, and he demands his father to give him his inheritance, and the father gives him his inheritance, and the son runs off, and he's living wild, reckless life. He wastes all the money, this famine comes, he finds himself literally living with pigs and swine, and he comes to his senses, and he comes back home. And in verse 21, it says this, the son says to the father, I've sinned against heaven. Heaven and against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. It's cute, right? Right? Comes to his dad, dad, I've messed up. I've come back to my senses. And guess what? I'm no longer worthy. Meaning what? That there was a time in a place that he believed what? That he was worthy. Okay? And this is what's happening to Simon. Simon believes what? I'm worthy. And I don't know if Jesus is worthy because look at who Jesus spends time with. And look who Jesus allows to touch him. And look at this prostitute. Really really what he's thinking is, look at this woman. Look at this woman with all her sin. Look at this woman with all of her failure. Look at this woman with all of her messed up junk. He's really thinking, I'm worthy, because I'm comparing my life to her life. And in the scale in the system, I'm winning and you're losing. Right? And guess what, we still do it today. We're still on this scale system, we're like, they're losing, and I'm winning because look at these good deeds. But Isaiah 64, verse 6 says this We are all infected with the impurity of sin. Okay? Now, I know we don't want to hear the word infected because we're like, Corona's going around and, you know, like, no infections, you know, in Jesus' name, we're cursing infections. But it says we're all infected with the impurity of sin. It goes on to say this When we display, our righteous deeds, meaning aka what? Our good deeds. Okay. Because the reality is this, in the last seven days from last Sunday, I'm sure all of us have done something that's good. We've had good days, we've done some good deeds, and we've done some good things. Okay. And it says, when we display all of our righteous deeds, It goes on to say this, they're nothing but filthy rags. Filthy rags compared to what? God the Father, okay? So Simon has this view based on a man-made scale, right? On a man-made scale, our good deeds, we feel really good about ourselves, right? We're like, man, I'm really, I just, because this is what's funny, is I think a lot of us when we are in a season of good deeds, we really believe that God loves us more on those days. Right? We're like, man, God's just super happy with me. You know, he saw me bless that old lady. And he just, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like Sunday school. You're like, you walk in, you're like, how many golden stars do I have, you know, right? We're trying to earn golden stars with God. But the problem is this, when Simon and us see ourselves worthy, that's the moment that we don't need to rely on Jesus anymore. Right? Because it's the moment that good deeds have taken the place for Jesus. Okay, and then what are we really doing? We're just in a system of what religion? Right? Because religion gives us what? A template for good deeds. So, what religion is really doing, religion is just really trying to help me and you feel better about ourselves, right? So, if I have enough good deeds, I'll feel good about myself. If I go to church enough times, if I do this enough times, I'll feel better about myself. The problem is this, it's totally void of the reality that God's truth is this, that I need personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the reality is this, I'm still messed up. And I still have junk in me to deal with. Okay. The the moment we see ourselves worthy is the moment that I sever myself from the idea that it's Tuesday and I need Jesus just like I needed Jesus on Sunday because I need his grace. But if I see myself worthy, I don't know if I need his grace because I'm doing good that day and I'm, and I'm doing all right Verse 42, let's go back to verse 42, okay? Luke 7, verse 42, it says this. When it became obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker generously wrote off the debts and forgave them of all that they owed, okay? Tell me, Simon, which of these two debtors would be more thankful? The one, uh, and Simon answered, I suppose the one with the greatest debt would be forgiven. Okay, this is the fundamental place that Jesus wants us to live in identity. This place of I'm forgiven because I still have sin and I still have stuff. Verse 47, it says this, that she had been forgiven of many sins. Okay, many sins. Um, It was Luke, we have three boys and our little one, Luke. Had his very first basketball practice the other day, and you know it's super cute. He's five years old, and um, we got him a pair of. Um, how many of you have ever seen Space Jam before? Uh, he's obsessed with Space Jam right now, and so he's got a pair of white. They're they're called Toon Squad shorts. He's got Toon Squad shorts on, Michael Jordan shirt, and he's at practice, and he's has a. He had a really great practice. Okay, and. Um, so we get into the car and we're driving home and I'm telling him he did a good job and I'm super proud of him. And, you know, he's smiling. And, and then he asks this question, he says, he goes, Dad, did I win? And I'm like, Yeah, you won. You know what I mean? I'm like, proud dad, you know, what I mean, it's practice, like, you know, And I'm like, everybody won. Okay. And then there was this pause and he goes, well, did all the other kids lose? And I was like, well, not technically, you know what I mean? Like, like technically everybody won. He was like, no, I won. And I'm like, yes, you won. He goes, the kids lose, the kids lose. You know what I mean? Like, like he is obsessed with this thought that like, I'm the winner. Okay. And I get this because I'm that same person. Okay. Because last Sunday night, I'm playing basketball with the guys in the church. Okay and I lose like the first four games in a row. So at the end of the fourth game, I take this ball and kick it so hard it could have made a hole in this gym, okay? And I like just kick this thing, and I'm just like flaming angry, you know what I mean? The next game, I literally don't pass the ball one time. I made nine baskets in a row. I was like, I told John, John was on my team. He's smiling back there on the camera right now. Because he's looking at me like, bro, why wouldn't you pass the ball? And I'm like, I'm not losing again. I will win, John. You know what I mean? I'm like, you just play defense and give me the ball, John. You know what I mean? Right? What is it? It's this. I still have sin. Right? Like, I'm still working through stuff, and I have junk. And it says this, that in verse 47, she had been forgiven of all her many sins, okay? But what does that mean? It means we have to come to a place that we realize that, like, I still have stuff, and I'm still working through stuff. It says this in verse 47, This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. You know, in Revelations, at the very beginning, Jesus himself writes these letters to churches. And he's dealing with churches. And one of the churches he deals with, he says to Him, he says, hey, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you of this idea of like, don't forget your first love don't forget it because i think what happens sometimes is in church we love the new person that comes to the church and they're overwhelmed by the extravagant love of god And they're just like, wow, this is incredible. This is great. And you can see it all over them. But for some of us, man, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I'm in year 22 of serving Jesus 22. Okay? I've been to a lot of church services, I've been a part of a lot of moves of God, I've been a part of a lot of Sunday mornings. You know, like I I tell people all the time, I'm like, I I don't know how to explain to you the feeling of like, you know, we're going to get done with service here and we're all going to be super happy. And and we're going to be like, God spoke to me and God was good. And thank you, Pastor Jeff, for speaking in my life. And you know what's happening in me is that this clock starts ticking because I know that I have six days to come back to you next week and give you the next moment that you're looking for with God right? And so I've been a part of a lot of moments with God, but there's something about this truth about not losing my first love and not losing the reality that outside of God's grace and outside of his goodness, my life is really a mess. And the reality is this is that I still have junk that I'm processing through. But what happens in in church is we find some victories over the big things. Right? Like, for some of us have been in church for a while, like we will you know, get past the really crazy things. And so we're in that man made scale where you're like, you know what, like, you know, even though I got junk in my marriage, you know, at least I'm not cheating on my wife. Right. And we're, we're weighing sins and forgiveness and we're weighing all these things with God and we quickly lose our first love for him. It goes on to say this but to those who assume they have very little to be forgiven. Okay? And that's a, that's a great question for us today. Do I believe that I have a little to be forgiven for? Or I, do I believe that, you know what, outside of Christ, I, I, I just, I'm not a great person. But for some of us, we may feel like I'm not that bad of a person. I, I, I'm a good person. And, and when you feel like you're a good person, then you don't feel like I have a lot to be forgiven. So if I don't have a lot to be forgiven, then I'm not going to love a lot. Right? Because Jesus is what he's comparing these two debts, he's comparing $1,000 and $10,000. And he goes, Simon, who loves the one who forgave the most and Simon goes, well, obvious the one with the biggest debt. When we have identity in this thought that I have been totally forgiven, it brings us to this place where back in verse 38, Luke 7, verse 38, it says this. Broken, weeping, she covered the feet of Jesus with her tears that fell from her face. What is this? This is a place of humility. Humility right? This is a place where this woman has come to the realization that Jesus is the only answer for me. Jesus is the only way that I'm going to make it into tomorrow. Jesus is my strength. Jesus, she has come to this reality. And this is a place of being humble. And I don't know if you've experienced this or if you've felt this and understand this yet, but there is something truly, truly amazing and powerful about being humble, okay? Humble attracts the presence of God. Humble attracts the power of God. Humble attracts the grace of God. Any time in your life when you feel like, man, I just don't feel God's grace. I don't feel God's strength. I don't feel God's goodness flowing in my life. I feel a lot of turmoil. I feel a lot of, you know, like life feels really hard. These are the moments that when I'm in my personal time with God, you know what I mean? And I pray here a lot. And I know that y'all can't pray here, but I, during the week, this is my this is my lane right here. If 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 this you know, ground right here, this line that I walk, you know, when I pray could talk, it would talk a lot about these moments where, where I have to come to this place where I got to go, God, I got to kill some pride today. I got to kill some ego today. God, I got to humble myself before you, because I want your grace, your, your strength, your life, your goodness to flow in my life. And I need to humble myself self because you know what? I've come to a place where I think I'm worthy because I've done some good things this week. You know? Listen, it, it's, it, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, like, like one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is to go to a hospital. I, I feel tremendously, you know, compassion for the people that are in the hospital, but I always feel really good about myself when I leave the hospital, right? I'm like, man, I did a good thing today, right? There's something amazing when we come to this place where we go, I need Jesus, okay? Worship team, you guys can come on up, okay? When we come to this place where we go, I need Jesus, okay? And Jesus is my everything, okay? When we come to this fundamental place where we go on the daily, I need Jesus in my life. I need him in my car. I need him at work. I need him at breakfast. I need him at dinner tonight. I need Jesus just woven through my entire day. When I come to this place that I need Jesus, and then I come to this place where I go, through Jesus, I'm what? I'm forgiven, right? through the grace of God today, today. One of my favorite verses is this, that God's mercies are new every day. So every day when you wake up, God goes, I got a piping hot bowl of mercy for you today. Right? Every day you wake up, God goes, I put breath in your lungs. My grace abounds. Every day you wake up, God goes, I'm madly in love with you. You know, when when Avery woke up this morning, God was like, I love Avery. And my mercy, my grace, it abounds. When See, when we come to this place, because this is what Jesus is doing, because we think the story is all about the woman, right? When we read the story, we go, man, isn't God so cool? He forgave all of her sins. His grace abound to her. And then what did God do? He was reshaping her identity, correct? But the story is really about Jesus reshaping two people's identity. Jesus is trying to shape how Simon sees life. And Jesus is going, when your identity is in me, when your identity is in, I'm forgiven. See, When I live in this constant reality of I'm forgiven and God's grace, it humbles me. When I live in this constant place of God's mercies are new for me every day, I go, I don't deserve that. When I constantly live in this place where my identity is God's grace abounds to me today, It puts me in this place where I'm like, you know what? I need more of him. I just, I simply need more of him. When I live in this place that Jesus, I have Jesus and that he forgave me and his grace abounds and God loves me, God loves me, that Jesus went to the cross for me today, every day. Every single day of my life, Jesus knew that I was going to need his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his goodness to abound. I was going to need it every day. When I live in the place that I go, you know what, Jesus, you are so good. You are so faithful to me. You never give up on me. Because here's the reality. If I was God and I'm dealing with me, I would give up on me. I don't know if you feel like that about you. But I know I feel that way about me. I would go, dude, how many chances, right? But aren't you thankful that God gives you second chances? And he gives you third chances, and he gives you fourth chances, and he gives you fifth chances, and he gives you sixth chance, and seven, and eight, and nine, and ten, and then it's twenty, and then it's forty, and it's a hundred, and then it's three hundred, it's a thousand. And you're like, how many chances am I going to have? And God goes, all of it. All of them. Whatever number you can come up with, that's how many chances, because that's my love for you. And that's the place that God wants us to live in. is this identity of that I'm forgiven. Because if I'm forgiven, then I realize what Jesus has done for me, and then I desire more of him. And that's exactly where we find ourselves, at the feet of Jesus. And when we're at the feet of Jesus, we're crying out to Jesus. You know what I mean? And we're at this place with Jesus, and we're like, I don't deserve it. Not worthy, and I need your grace. And I need your love, and I need your strength because I don't have it all together. And Jesus goes, "I love you right there. I love that place." But you know what I love about this story is this: this woman comes into the house. She didn't ask anybody if she could come in. Right? She didn't ask Simon. She didn't ask Simon's friends. She didn't ask the guests. She didn't care about anybody there. Why? Because she understood Jesus was there. And when Jesus gives us a new identity, there's this cool verse in the Bible that says that we can come boldly to his throne. At any moment, at any day, any time. Why? Because he goes, today, you are worthy. Not because of who you are. You are worthy because of who I am. And you are my son, and you are my daughter, and your identity is in me. And your identity is in the blood that I shed on the cross. And your identity is in the forgiveness that I've given you. Your identity is not what the world labels you, not what you even think about yourself when you look into the mirror. Your identity is in me. And when you feel the identity of Christ Jesus inside of you, that's the moment that you can come boldly to him and go, I need you. Because if you feel like you're unworthy, what are you going to do? You're going to go, God, please don't be angry at me. God, please don't be frustrated at me. God, I know. I know. And we're like tiptoeing. We're like tiptoeing. And God goes, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? You know, when service is done, Luke is going to do what? He's going to run to me. Why? Because he knows that he's my son. And he knows that all I'm going to do is grab him and hug him. Right? So he runs. He comes boldly. And so God the Father goes, don't tiptoe. Just come. Come. Because I'm the one who gives you identity. I'm the one that calls you good. Not the world. I'm the one that gives you your strength. I'm the one that put breath in your lungs. I'm the one that gives you the grace. I'm the one. I'm the one. I am your identity. And when we have identity in Christ Jesus, it shapes our whole entire world. And when our world is shaped, then guess what happens? We shape other people's worlds. Amen? Her response is what? Worship. She comes boldly to the throne of grace. She's at the feet of Jesus. and She finds grace and she finds mercy and she finds forgiveness. And at that moment, her response is what? Extravagant worship to Jesus. So I said we were going to come back to worship. We still have time. Okay? Uh, We worked this out. So we're going to worship Jesus right now. And we're going to come boldly to his throne. Because here's what I know is this. You'll forget what I said today. I promise you. By Friday, you won't be able to say one line. (laughs) Okay? But you know what you will remember? Is a moment in the presence of God. A moment in his presence where he shaped you. A moment in his presence where he loved you. A moment in his presence that he gave you identity. A moment in his presence that he said, you, my love, my forgiveness, it all abounds to you. So I not you stand up this morning. We're going we're gonna to worship Jesus. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.